Today, I want to end the series, All Things Are Yours, and I want to talk about something that we don't really talk about a lot. Um, it's something that is, it's an intangible thing, and, it's, and it's, a, it, it's a word that when we hear it, especially if we don't, if we don't know a lot about it, we don't read it in Scripture a lot, or we don't study a lot, of, and when we hear it, it's, it's one of those things that we don't really understand the depth of it, and so we just kind of move on and just kind of pass by it as if it's, it's just not a thing, and that, the word is idols. The word is idols, and it's, a, it's not something that we use a lot in modern language. It's not something that, that many of us really have, um, like, we don't, we don't really build idols anymore. It's not like we go out in our backyard and we build something that we think life is about or that represents God or this and then worship it, and we don't, we don't really do stuff like that. So it's one of those things, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like this, this thing that shows up in the Bible all the time, but because we don't make physical things to like rub the belly of and touch and do different things like we just we think that it just doesn't apply to us that it's different it's not here and I'm gonna I'm gonna argue this morning with you and I, I want to tell you this morning that 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 idols are still the most dominant thing that that alters the direction of our life away from the way that the Lord is leading us and, and because they're, they're not physical idols anymore, they're these intangible idols. There's these things that, that, we, that we place deep within us that, that alter the way that we think. It alters the way we think life is about it. And it gives us, it pulled and drive into a direction away from the direction of the Lord. It gives us justification to sin in our life. It, 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 it just feeds us. And a lot of times they're so ingrained in our lives that we don't even see them. We don't even recognize them. And, and they're just kind of a part of life. Um, and it's one of the reasons I believe that, that so many Christians and so many followers of Christ, even though that the, the fullness of the series, all things are yours, that we, that we have the fullness of life, we have the fullness of God's love, that God's working everything out to our good, that he, he loves us and, he, and Jesus has died for us, and we have all the peace and the joy and the satisfaction and, and everything tied up in the cross of Christ, that we still can't seem to walk in the fullness of that. And I think idols are one of the, the, the biggest reasons why we tend not to find uh, that and walk in the fullness of that because we, we don't, they're, not, they're not normal sin. They lead to sin, but they, they themselves aren't sin a lot of times. And so it's hard to spot them. And then if we spend our entire life building up our personality and building up ourselves and building up this thing around these little idols, if someone comes along one day and says, that needs to go, and, and our whole life could fall down around it, that's something that we don't, even if it comes to our attention, it would be so difficult. And many times we just live with it in our heart and within our lives. And it leads us down a, a, a path many times uh, that, that at best prevents us from walking in the fullness of the gospel and at worst drives us completely away from the purpose and cause of Christ and the mission of Christ in our life. And I, I just want to read one scripture really fast at Ezekiel chapter 14. Verse 3, and this is, this is God speaking to the leaders of, of, of Israel. And this is what he says. He says, Son of man, these men have, have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. He said, the, the, this is what God's message is, is to Israel. He said, the, your leaders, your elders, your, even some of your prophets, your priests, they're, they're coming together and they have, they have taken these intangible things. They're not, they're not physical gods. They're not physical idols. They're not, they're not carvings. They're not graven images. They're not, they're not any of these things, but they've, they've taken these intangible things and these intangible cravings, these intangible desires, these things, and they've placed them so deep in their heart and they are literally living their life based upon these things. 
They have built their life. They have built what they think life is around this. And, and on top of that, these same idols right here, they've become the stumbling block to their iniquity, meaning they've become the, the thing that is causing them to sin, the thing that's causing them to walk away from my righteousness, walk away from my holiness, walk away from my purpose, walk away from my glory. And so he, he, he's coming to them, and this is a unique thing, and this is something that you need, you need to really consider this morning. He says, he says I'm, I'm coming to you not because of necessarily what they're doing, yet yeah, the sin and the evil and the wickedness that definitely addressing that. He said, but what I'm addressing, God says, what I'm addressing is, is that the idols that they brought in your heart, the reason why the entire country and the entire people is shifting away from me is because you have these idols in your heart. You've taken these things placed in your heart and you've begun to build your life around them. And that's a unique thing. It's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to spot. It's a hard thing to recognize. And in the first service, I, I used King Saul. And I, I went through the story of King Saul. And, and he is the first king, and he, he comes in. God raises him up. The people want him. They raise him up, and, and he goes through this thing. And he, he comes through, and God gives him a direct command, and he, he disobeys that command, and it reveals an idol in his heart. And it was the, kind of the approval of people. And, um, and we kind of go on, and I used that, and... and and the reality of it is, and I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you this morning, if it's your first time here, um, you may never come back, and I just pray that God loves you anyway, and I mean, He loves you anyway, I just pray that, that you just, you just you chill, if you come back, great, see you next week, starting a new series, it's going to be awesome, but I just, I'm telling you, I, I shouldn't have preached that, and the reality behind why I preached that, in itself, revealed the deepest idol in my own heart. And I'm just going to take just a few minutes, and, 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 and this, just may, this may just be a personal counseling session between me and God and anybody paying attention. But I just feel in my heart the Lord has is, is is, is revealed something deep to me, something that I, I thought had disappeared a long time ago, but from time to time raises back up and it becomes so dominant in my life. And, and, and I just feel compelled to just confess this to you this morning and just talk to you about it in an effort that if you can see that in me, that intangible thing in me, that maybe the Spirit will reveal that intangible thing in you that drives so much of you. And for me, like my, my entire life, and I, and I just want to show you how, how normal these things can be and how, how, how even good at times, they can seem and they can result in your life. Why it's so difficult to spot them, but then I want you to see the depth of evil that it can take you to. And for me, my, my whole life, I, I, have, I, I don't know how many natural talents I have or natural abilities I have. I, I really don't know, but, but my whole life I have had this insatiable work ethic, this, this desire, this, this, this drivenness in me. Uh, to to be good at stuff and and here's the thing about me and this is if you if you've hung out with me at all at all it doesn't matter what it is I want to be good at it and if I can't be good at it I'm going to work and work and work and work and work until I am good at it and then if I still can't be good at it I'm just never going to do that thing again ever I always use the example of soccer I You'll never find me out on a soccer field. 
because I can't move my feet for some reason. I can throw stuff. I can throw things at other things pretty well, but I can't, I can't operate my feet in a way that doesn't endanger my life and those around me. <laughs> and I've tried, but I just, I just don't have that in me. And so a long time ago, I, just, I made a promise to self and to society that I wouldn't play Soccer. But if, I, if there was even a potential to be good at, if there was even a potential to, to, to go, I would go and I would work at this thing and I would work at this thing and I would work at this thing, whatever it was, whether it was a sport or it was, it was I don't know, pick up sticks. I mean, whatever, whatever it was, I, I just, I, I wanted to work and I wanted to be good at it. There was just this insatiable thing in me, this, this drive in me, this force in me that I wanted to go and I wanted to be good at the thing. And, and, and this in a lot of ways, led to some good things in my life. This led to some, some success in my life because I, I, I would work. It's not that I was good at it naturally. I just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked until I was decent at it, until I was good at it. And, and, and it led to some good things in my life. But, but the thing I'm going to tell you this morning, it's not, that, not, that, not the drive and not, not the work, not, the, not that insatiable force. It's the reason behind why, why did I want to be good at it? Why, why did I want to be good at, at basketball? Why did I want to be good at, at, at this? Why did I want to be good at whatever, whatever it was that I was doing? Why did I want to be good? At the end of the day, and, and I'm telling you something, I'm, I'm telling you something, and this may seem like nothingness to you at first. This may seem totally normal to you at first. This may seem, I, I, I mean, when I say it, many of you are going to be like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, me too. But what, what I want to, to walk out, and just for a few, I just want to walk out the depths of evil that, that, that an idol, an intangible idol can take our heart and our mind to and eventually lead us to, to do things and think things and say things and live out and build our life around something that, that we never intended to and we never really wanted to and, and it definitely wasn't the right thing and at times even downright evil things. And, and so I just want to, the reason that I, that I do that and I've always done that is so that whoever's watching will look at me and say, he's good. Did y'all think like serial killer was coming? What? Did y'all think I was going to build like a crazy... He's good. He's good. He's good. Did you see him out there? Not on the soccer field, on the football field. Did you see him? He's good. Do you, you see him with that basketball? He's good. He's good. He's good. Do you, you, you see what he did in school there? That, he's good. He is good. Jordan is good. Jordan's good at what he does. He's good. And then I, I move that carry that with me. And, 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 it, and it's a small thing. It, it, it's a normal thing. But the, the level of what I'm talking about is not just a little bit of he's good. I'm, I'm talking about like, no, he's good. And, and it's, not just, it's not just at one thing. And it's not just about competition. It's not just about winning. It's about cooking steaks. No, he's good. Man, he cooks good steaks. Taylor, I cooked you a steak the other day. Was that good? Yeah. How good was it? <laughs> seven out of eight? No, seven out of ten? Oh, he's good. 
He's good. Now, here's the thing. We're sitting at the table. The reality is I don't really care what that steak tastes like. I'm just sitting there and I'm eating and I, I just want somebody to say, this is good. Man, you did good. You did awesome. And say, I take this with me and I go to college with it. And, and then I look at college, and I, and I, and I start paring out what, what is good here. What, 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 would, what will make people look at me here and say I'm good? What will, what will make people, if I'm, now I've got four years, I'm here. What are the things that I need to do here? What are the things that I need to, to put myself in? What do, I need, what do I need to accomplish here that the people around me, that my family, that my father, that my mother, that, that the people that know me, that the people are paying attention on Facebook, that the people there, what will I need to do here over the next four years? What do I need to do for people to look in and say, he did good. He did that thing well. He did college good. And so I started making a list of things. Okay, look, I need to be involved in that fraternity and not just involved in that fraternity. That's the best fraternity on campus. I need to be in that fraternity and I need to be up in the upper level leadership. I need to be like the president or I need to be like the chaplain. I got to be that because when people look into that fraternity, I need them to see me and I need them to say, man, he is good. I need to work in the, the, the best job you can have on campus is working for Dr. Khan, working for the president of the school, and I'm going to do whatever I can, whatever, whatever I need to do, whatever politics I need to play, whatever, whatever thing I need to do, program I need to be part of, I need to get in that office, I need to be there. N not because I want to learn, not because I need to grow, not because of that, but because I want when people look at me, I want people to look into my life and say, man, he is good. That's what I want. And I need to do good, I need to do, make good grades. I need to, I need to hold this skull. I need to be able to say, I graduated with this grade. I graduated with this. I did this. I need people to look at me and say, you are good. You did good. And so I based my entire college career around this reality of, of, of you are good. You're good. And I chased these things, and, and you're good. And I accomplished 99% of them, and they were good. And people looked at me and said, you're good. You did it. You accomplished it. You're great. But what a lot of people don't realize is I look back now and, and in my growth and in my wisdom and in my maturity in Christ, I look back now and I realize that I wasted four years of my life in a deep way. I've talked about it a few years back, things, but what a lot of people know is that I was got involved with a house church in Cleveland where I went to school. I got involved in a little house church, and, and there was a guy, his name was Jim, he was a good buddy of mine, and he started this house church, and, and, and people, 12, 11, 13 people kind of coming, and, 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 and he was teaching. He said, would you like to come teach on Sunday? We, we couldn't find a church. There was just so much religion in the area. We couldn't find a church, so we were just going to do church here. And he was like, you know, you're a speaker. Won't you come and, and do this thing? And so I came, and, and I began to do this house church thing, and I began to experience one of the most powerful moves of God that I've ever been a part of, except for here. And people started coming to a house church. One, two, 15, 30, 45. People started coming. We were baptized. People were, people were changing their majors. Coming as business uh, majors. Wanting to be lawyers. And then, and then coming to know Jesus. Getting baptized in the bathtub of a house built in 1940 on the corner of a bad area of town. Changing their whole major to get into ministry and go plant churches. That was what God was doing in the house church. 
There were people, there were literally people, people who would not go to other churches, people who, who did not feel comfortable, people who would come and, and, and look like it was scoff at religion, but they were coming there and they were coming to know Jesus and it was growing to one point. I mean, we had people sitting out on the, with the windows open, sitting out on the front porch. I mean, something that looked like something out of the Bible. Does that make sense? I mean, it was, and it was just off the charts. It was crazy. The Spirit of God, the presence of God was so strong. It was just, it was, it was, it was crazy. But the problem was, was that wasn't on my list of things that I needed to accomplish for people to look into my life and say I'm good. And so when I got inducted into the fraternity and I got the job at, at, with President Khan, I got, I got that thing. I left the house church, and I remember it as, as, as I'm telling you right now. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Saturday night. I was supposed to speak at the house on Sunday morning, and I, and I felt in my heart, it was just one of those things where I knew what I was about to do was wrong. I knew what I was about to do was disobedient. I knew what I was about to do, and I, text, and I remember texting Jim and, and the crew, and I said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. You know, someone's going to have to cover for it, and I hope everything goes well. And then the next week, and then the next week, and eventually they got the message that Jordan's not coming back here because he's off chasing things for his own good and his own glory. And it, within three to four weeks, that kind of disappeared. It dissipated. It moved off into another ministry, and life kind of went on. And I didn't think much about it for a long time. For a long time. Until near the end of my... And, and the other thing, and this, this again, just... The other thing is these four guys. We used to meet together and we used to go uh, almost every night. There's four of us. We would go down behind the library at night. There was this one space if you climbed up on the roof and hopped down into. It was very illegal, but we loved it. And we got in there and we would, we would literally just pray for hours. It was, one of, it was one of the seasons of my life where I learned and just lived out the deep power of prayer. And God was answering our prayers. And there were things that were happening. And, and I walked away from that. And then I found myself kind of in this, this thing. Where prayer really wasn't a part of my life anymore. And I wasn't preaching anymore. And I wasn't doing the things that God called me to do. I started accomplishing the things that I needed to accomplish so that people would look into my life and say, good. You tracking with me? And then I come to this realization. Just a crazy moment with God near the end. And I look back and I realized the level of sin and disobedience that I had lived in for the last two years. And making that decision led to sin in my life. Tangible, real sin in my life. Not just the sin of disobedience and not doing it, but the, that, that decision, it, it landed, it, it, it sent me in. And I remember standing there. I remember standing there that night and the Lord just revealed this to me. And I realized that I had, I, I don't know what, and this is the thing that plagues me, I don't know what could have been in that house church. I don't know what God was doing. I never got to live it out. I never got to experience. Whatever it was, I missed it. And I just had this crazy repentance moment. 
and promised I would never do that again and I would live in the, and, I, and I just had this thing and I just I left the fraternity and I, and I was I quit working for Dr. Khan and I had one more semester left and I just got in this place and I just prayed for days and days and days and and then I got a phone call and wound up doing a thing and eating Mexican and somebody asked me to come to Denver and be a part of this thing and and then that happened and now you guys are here but here's the thing that intangible idol of my heart I never really addressed it and and to this very day I and it, it goes and it comes and it goes and it comes but to this very day if I'm honest it's still sitting right here because do you know my worst days, my worst days of the week? Sunday afternoon, if I felt like I preached bad. That I, I, if I feel like I preached bad, if I felt like, like in the first service, uh, several people, this never happened, several people got up and walked out there in the message. I don't know what they were doing. I, I mean, maybe they hated me. I don't know. But they, they walked out, and, and, and in my soul, I was like, that's, it's like, it stung. Why did it sting? Because I, I, needed, I needed them to say, you're good. You're good. You did a good message. You're good. You, you preached good today. You preached good today. You did good. You're a good preacher. You're a good leader, Jordan. You did good today. You, you led well. You lead well. Look around. You, did, you, you lead well. This week, we, we had our elder retreat. We do every year, and we come, and we go through all the evaluations and stuff, and we get all the, all the stats together and all this stuff together, and, we, and, and God has just blessed this church and blessed this house with so many amazing leaders and so many amazing things, and people are coming to know Christ, and we're looking at all this stuff, and we got all the financials and, this, and all this stuff, and, 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 and I was sitting there, and, and, and there was this one thing, and it was this one thing, this goal from last year that it was I wanted to accomplish this one goal, and, and, we, and I worked so hard all year to accomplish this one goal, and I could not wait to stand before the leaders and say, we said we were going to do this, and look what we did. We did this thing, and I had it all mapped out. I spent so much time on it, and, and I was going to do it there, and I, just was, and, I, and I could not wait to get there and say, look at this. We said we were going to do this, and well, if I'm honest, I said I was going to do this, and I did this. Now look at this. Tell me I'm good. Unfortunately, somehow, that one particular thing just disappeared. wasn't on the, wasn't an email, wasn't printed out, and I was sitting there, and it messed me up. If I, I know this sounds so dumb to you guys, but I'm sitting there with all this crazy stuff that's happened, all this life change, all this baptism, and there was this one thing that I wanted to look them in the eyes, and I wanted the men that that mean a lot to me to look at me and say, "You did good. You did good. You're good." And here's the reality of what I'm driving at. As minute as this, this may seem to you, and as small as this may seem to you, the vast majority of my life, I have lived, worked, served, and found worth and the human beings around me looking into my life and saying good. In many ways, you have become my little God. Does that make sense? And the other level of this is that at the end of the day, while especially when you start messing with deep spiritual things, and you start messing with God's word. And you start messing with, with God calling, God's calling and position and the thing. And, and there's, this, there's even this little bit of you 
When you start messing with God's purpose, God's glory, and, you, and you're saying, listen, I, God did good. God gets the glory. God gets the honor. It's God's power. It's God's kingdom. But also, I did good. Tell me I did good. I'm, I'm, I'm in that moment. There is a craving and a desire in me to get what belongs to God. Do you know who else does that? Satan. Do you know why Satan was cast down from heaven? Satan was a worship leader in heaven. And what he was doing was as he began to lead worship and lead praise and, and get that he and to God and God's honor and God's glory, he started pocketing just a little bit of that praise, just a little bit of that glory. He started pocketing it. And he was saying, 80% for God, 20% for me. 70% for God, 30% for me. 60% for God, 40% for me. And God said, no, 100% for me and cast him out. That's the foundation of all evil and wickedness. Taking the glory of God. And so this morning, and this week I was leading up and I thought the Lord wanted me to talk about idols and to close out this series. And this, this whole, this week I felt this thing to come out and, and confess this, this little idol to you. But it was such a big deal for me to come out and do it that I chose to go with Saul instead. This morning, the first service, to preach Saul's life. Because I couldn't stand in front of you and say, there is still a part of me. As much as I feel like I've grown in Christ and as much as God's doing, there's still this small part of me that craves the adoration of people. The approval of people to look into my life and say, you did good. And this is the thing, and this is where I want you to hear me just for a minute. You have these things in your heart and in your life. Period. Whatever they are. There's three ways you can identify these things. One is, what, what do you crave? Idols are revealed in what you crave the most. What you desire the most. What, if you, what, what, what gives you drive? What do you wake up in the morning and you desire and you go to, you go to bed thinking about it, You wake up, you want, you're working hard for what? What is the thing that you crave in this life? Fame, attention, materialism, success. What are the things that you crave the most in this life? You have it other than Jesus Christ. You have it. You know what it is in your heart and your mind. You, there's something there. There's something there. It's somebody. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a car. Whatever it is. You, you, there is something in you you crave and you desire. Maybe it changes. Maybe it shifts and, and moves. But there's something that you crave more than Jesus Christ in your life. Within that thing lies an idol. And that idol has the potential to cost you living out your purpose in Christ. And to cost you... Absolutely. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, I want you to hear what I just said. I want you to hear what I just said. What I said was this little idol in my heart that I've carried with me all these years. That's been a big reason of my drive and my energy because I want you to look at me and say, good. What I just said to you is I am a preacher. I'm I literally my life's calling. I'm created by God, called by God, positioned by God, gifted by God to preach God's word so that you will come to know him and your life will be saved forever and go and God gets all the power and all the glory. And what I just said to you with me fully knowing and believing all of that and living all of that, there's still a part of me that says, but I did good too. someone give me credit, someone give me honor, someone give me glory. I'm still here. You hear what I'm saying? 
So you, you think in your mind, there's just these little things, there's just little attention. I just need some attention from guys. I just need just a little bit. I just need to get that, that raise. I just need to get that. There's that little thing in your life, but what you don't realize is that little thing is not just a little intangible thing. That little thing is a little God. And what you don't realize is that you are waking up every day and you are living for, serving, worshiping, and by definition, you are literally walking for the glory of that thing, whatever that may be. And that is idolatry. And God can and won't bless it. What do you crave? What do you find your worth in? Idols are revealed in what you find your worth in. What is that thing when you, when you literally say in your heart and in your mind and you say, if I have this, if I do this, if this happens, if I accomplish, then I have worth. Then I have worth. And, you, and you'll know it the most when you don't obtain it or you don't have it, you don't it because it will bring stress to your life or anxiety to your life or depression to your life. You will, you will have everything but peace and joy because you won't have the thing. God could be blessing. God could be moving. You could have assurances and, and heaven secured. You could have love of Christ. Love. You could have everything, blessings. and You could have everything, but there's something in you that's still causing you to go, I'm not full. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm empty. Because I don't have this. That, because it, you find your worth in that. What is that thing for you? And what's the thing that leads you to sin? And this is the thing that, that, that's so hard for me. Do you know my greatest sin in this life? The most consistent sin in this life. All through my childhood and, and beyond. Lying. Lying. Taking something small, exaggerating it. Taking something I did good and making it seem better. I was a master at it. I was the best exaggerator. Because there was something in me. There was, it created this insecurity in me. And it was like, I, it, this wasn't good enough. Who God made me wasn't good enough. The gifts that God gave me weren't good enough. And even the things that I really accomplished weren't good enough. And so I, would, I, I, I spun and I exaggerated and I added to all in an effort to get somebody to look at me and say, good, he did good. All my life, all my life I have, I have discounted the things that God has given me and tried to build up an image of something that I'm not in order to get the approval of people. All my life. My drive, my energy, I work 99% of you under the table. And I work that hard, not for the glory of God. Not to live out the thing that God has called me to do so that someone, I will accomplish something, someone will say, he did that, he did good. Look what he did, look what he built. He did good. I'm 30 years old, and that is the first time in my entire life I have put that out. And that may seem like nothing to you, but it is everything to me because it's messing with the thing that I have lived and served all my life. This is the thing that I battle between, between God's glory and my own, God's honor and my own, God's credit and my own. It's the most dangerous thing for a preacher to have in his life. And so this morning, I, I share that with you, and I repent of it, and I confess it. 
Because here's the reality and the heart behind this entire series. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. The world, life, death, present, and future. All things are yours. We have everything we would ever need in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me because I don't know what your idol is. I don't know what your thing is, but this is the thing I need you to hear. Whatever it is, you already possess the result of that in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Why on earth would I need the approval of mere humans when I have the approval of Jesus Christ? Why would I trade everything? Why would I give my body away to seek the love or the attention of some other person when I have a God who laid down his own life to have my love and affection? Why, why would I work so hard? Why, why would I why I give up so much? Why would I sacrifice my family on the altar of materialism to go into chase and to build and to have the house and the car and to do the thing? Why would I do that when I have every rich thing, everything in this world is mine in Christ? Why would I give myself to a life that is like this fast? Gone today, I mean here today, gone tomorrow, like a vapor in the world. Why would I give everything for this moment and cost me eternity when I have everything I need in Christ? Every ounce of love, every ounce of affection, every ounce of, 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 of fullness and joy and peace and goodness and kindness is all laid up in our relationship with Christ. And whatever it is, that thing that you chase and that thing that you're going after, and that thing that you think life is about and that thing that leads you down so many different seasons of sin and that thing that you, you, you can't even bring to confess it or to say it or to put it out there because it's so deep and so strong on you. That thing you crave power, you crave attention, you crave whatever it is, everything that you need, everything that you have is in Christ. So for you to think that there's something else that you lack, you are giving yourself into a lie of the enemy. And you've set up this intangible thing inside your heart and you're building your life around it. And here's the thing, and it's the thing, and I, and I feel like this is, this is something somebody needs to hear this in this service. God loves you so much that he will strip that thing from you, even if it means your whole world crumbles down around you. God is worthy of 100% of our glory, our honor, our worship. And if there's that thing he loves you so much that you're too blind to see it, too arrogant to confess it, too insecure to deal with it, he will, out of love, step into your life and strip that thing from you and watch you crumble so that you can see the deceit in it. Does that make sense? I'm telling you right now, many of us, as we grow in Christ, as we mature in Christ and he begins to reveal these things in our heart and our life, if we don't recognize them, repent of them and turn them over to him in faith, if we don't address them, if we keep them secret, if we just keep building up our world around it, just keep lifting it up, there will come a time when they raise up in you and they begin to shift off God's glory, God's worship for this thing. It will happen every single time as long as you allow it to stand. It cost Saul, King Saul, it cost him his life, it cost him his throne, it cost him his purpose, it cost him everything. For me, I know right now, I know right now 
if I allow this thing to raise up in me, if I allow this thing to begin to own me, if I allow this thing, if I'm telling you right now, the first thing that will happen is God will humble me in this place. And anything that I'm taking credit for, anything I'm taking, he will take that from me. And that is not a good thing. He'll strip it from me. He'll take it from me. If, I'm, if I need your approval and messages, do you know how many good messages I'll preach? Zero. I'm serious. If, I, if, I, if I'm living every week, if I'm working hard, and it's not for, if it's not for God's glory, it's not for God's honor, it's not, if it's for the wrong reasons, God will just lift his hand from me, and I'll just stand up here, and I'll just... Wah, 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 wah. God will bring failure into your life. God will bring failure into your life. He will, the thing that, that insecurity you're the most insecure about, he will expose it. The thing, he will do whatever he needs to do for you to come to the realization that you have every single thing you ever will need in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And life is too short to build even a week, even a month, even a year around some idol in our hearts. And so, we're going to watch a video in just a minute, and we're going to celebrate in a, just an amazing testimony. And then we're going to baptize somebody. They're going public with their faith in Christ, and it's an amazing thing. And then we're going to worship together. And I beg you, take a few minutes and worship God and meditate and reflect on this reality. What do you crave more than God? What do you crave more than God? What brings you worth? What, what does that thing brings you worth apart from God? What leads you to so much sin in your life? Because if you can't come to terms with that, repent of it and lay it down in faith at the foot of Jesus, that thing will stop you from walking in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ.